0: Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80.
1: Put my name up in
2: Game one of the Western Conference Finals lived up to all the hype. The stars showed up. The scoring was there the excitement was there in a game that early on looked like it might be a blowout and turned into a tight one but there is one specific reason that Denver is up today 1-0 one nothing in this series. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're also going to get you caught up on the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 1 tonight. Heat Celtics coverage begins at 7.30 p.m., obviously on ESPN Radio, but Harry, last night, all eyes were on the Nuggets, all eyes were on the Lakers, and in the first quarter, all eyes were on Nikola Jokic, not just for what he did in the ways that we're used to, not just for all the times you sit there and look at a pass. There was a couple of flat passes that I rewound on the TV and I'm like, he just did what to somebody that was cut. <laughs> it wasn't for any of that. The reason the Nuggets won game one to me was simple. It was that they Dominated on the boards, they dominated the rebound count in every possible way, and it was the true difference in this game.
1: Yeah, you talk about a guy, Nikola Jokic, who a lot of people are fond of because of the way he plays the game of basketball not above the rim, but a skill set, right? And a shot making ability. But being able to rebound the basketball on the defensive end when the Lakers or whoever he's playing misses shots. But also on the offensive end, and he made a living in that first quarter with offensive rebounds and being able to get them and also get putbacks and scoring points that way to the to the point of where it was phenomenal. And you look at the Denver Nuggets in the first half and you look at the rebounding count for both teams, 36 for the Denver Nuggets, 13 for the Los Angeles Lakers. So I don't know how... The Lakers thought they could come out in this ball game and not rebound the basketball. And you even heard Darvin Ham a few times talk about it in postgame that, you know, they have to be more precise when it comes to rebounding. Get a body on a body, not watching. And the Denver Nuggets just out hustled. The Los Angeles Lakers when it came to rebounding, but that's a very important stat in the ball game that allows you to win a game one like we witnessed of the Denver Nuggets.
2: You mentioned precise and I, I wanna you know drill down on that for a second here because I think that's a really good way to say it when you talk about what we saw specifically with the rebounding because mm-hmm. early on particularly Jokic with 12 in the first quarter it was a dominant performance but what hit me is there were a few times that there were three Lakers around and Jokic just went up and got it like as the- much there are times that we've, we're used to this from scores there are times that scores look covered but they still manage to find a way to hit a shot and you say hey you know you just it is what it is last night reminded me I'll go back to your goat not to start that conversation again, give it I'll go back you. to your goat Thank uh, you. last night it reminded me of the Bulls and Dennis Rodman. There were so many times that Dennis Rodman may have had what felt like 72 people around him and you just saw the fingertips go up above everybody and he comes down with the ball with a level of aggressiveness. That's what Jokic was doing last night. Like The offensive rebounding particularly he wasn't always in the best position. He wasn't always the odd man out and he always came down with the ball. I was stunned to watch that dominance because it wasn't like a lack of effort from the Lakers. It was that flat out he was better.
1: And then it's funny that you brought up Dennis Rodman because Dennis Rodman used to do drills where he used to, you know, literally practice timing the basketball coming off the rim from different type of shots. And I think when you look at a guy like Nikola Jokic, he's not the most athletic. But if you time the basketball right coming off the rim you're going to be able to get a lot of those. And also, he was able to, you know, a little volleyball tip, the tip the ball a little bit to himself a few times and be able to grab it on top of having that wide body that, you know, defenders... Uh, for, for the Los Angeles Lakers or I would say just players on their team, they can't get around because he is uh, not a small human being. So it's going to be tougher for those guys to be able to go get around him and go over top of him because of his size. But I just thought Jokic did a great job of timing the boss, basketball coming off the rim but also tipping the ball to himself at times and putting it back up and never bringing it back down on the floor.
2: Sometimes too when you look at the numbers, they saw they shot uh, comparable, I'll say it that way, not exactly the same, but they shot comparably from the field. They shot comparably from the the three-point line. They had a comparable number of free throws. Like there was no one number when you just look at the box score that really explained the outcome other than 47 30. That's the Nuggets out-rebounding the Lakers. 47-30. 15-5 advantage on the offensive glass. They had 18-13. Uh, they had a five-point advantage, I should say, in second chance points. You start thinking about what that meant over the course of the game. The two things that were clear early on is that the Nuggets were not afraid of pace and that the Nuggets were going to be able to out-rebound the Lakers. And that was alarming to see just because it led to so much early dominance, Here,
1: Yeah, and I, and I think the pace is something that the Denver Nuggets watched against the Golden State Warriors, especially late in that series, and seeing that, huh, this is something that we could take advantage of. On top of, that's just the way the Nuggets play, right? How many times have we seen Kevin Love for the Miami Heat get the ball and outlet it down to the court to Jimmy to Jimmy Butler? No wasted movement. When well, Nikola Jokic is another one of those big guys, right, where he gets the rebound and he wastes no time. He gets the ball where it needs to be. Or as a five man, he can bring the ball down the court and initiate the offense or initiate what's going to happen offensively in transition. You don't have many five mans in the NBA. Let's just put it like this. You don't have many five mans in the NBA, college, high school, uh, middle school basketball that can lead the break and get out and make the right decisions passing the basketball, and if no one declares on the defensive end, he can also take it to the hoop or stop and pop and hit the jump shot. Uh, That's
2: the the craziest part about it was, you're right, watching him take the ball and be really the one in control of bringing the ball up and controlling the pace. And we've talked a lot about transition points, which, by the way, in the first half, wildly favored the Nuggets, in the second half, not so much. But one thing that was interesting is it wasn't just baskets off misses, it was baskets, it was a set strategy. If you wonder what the Nuggets did during their time off. We've been saying on this show throughout the course of the playoffs, the way you beat the Lakers is you run at them. We saw the Grizzlies do it. You mentioned we saw the Warriors do it. I've asked several of our guests, why is everybody not just constantly pressing the turbo button against the Lakers? It seems to work. Last night, in the first half particularly, it was the sprint down the floor on every inbounds that mm. I thought was really a tone setter. And then, once you got into your half-court offense, all of a sudden, Jokic has the ball. This is something, if you've watched a lot of Nuggets basketball, you see this. If you're new to it, you're going to appreciate it. You can't double-team him. Because the minute you double-team him, somebody's cut into the basket, and his vision is just better than there anybody.
1: There you go. And on top of, okay, Mike Malone isn't a stupid coach. It's a reason why they had the number 1 seed in the Western Conference, Right. So he understands uh, from a certain point in the season last year that the, that the Los Angeles Lakers played some tough defense and were one of the better defensive teams in the National Basketball Association. Okay, so what's one way to not allow that defense to set up? Even if it's, it is a make, get the ball out quick and don't wait on them. And they had a clip, man, this morning on one of the shows where you literally seen at the May basket D'Angelo Russell had LeBron James who's the oldest on the Los Angeles Lakers, sprinting back because he understands what the Denver Nuggets want to do. But you had three younger players for the Los Angeles Lakers looking and standing around watching. And next thing you know, Bruce Brown gets the ball. No one is under the basket. He goes one-on-one, makes a basket. Right. So now Bruce Brown has more confidence and just happened to hit 16 points in the ballgame as well. But that's because of the Los Angeles Lakers not understanding that the different Nuggets wants to run. Not everyone on the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team because LeBron did it. But when the message isn't home all the way to all the guys, one through 15, you're going to have the lapses that you had in transition defense that the Lakers had last night.
2: Yeah, and if they have those again in the next game, again, they play again tomorrow. So you're talking about quick turnaround to play. Now, this game was a blowout early, and it became close. What's interesting here is hearing the two superstars say the same thing in different ways. First, I want you to hear what Nikola Jokic had to say right after the game about the way this game ended.
0: I mean, we know that they're, they're going to come. They're going. They're coming. That's a tough team, but... Um... Uh, win by one or be by, win by 20 this time of the year, it doesn't matter, a win is a win.
2: He says a win is a win, Harry, and now? I want you to hear what LeBron said at the press conference afterwards when he was also asked about the Lakers' late comeback.
0: Postseason, it doesn't matter if you cut it to one or you're down 20. If you lose, you lose. They're a 1-0, and we have to come back with desperation um, going in the game, too. We have to play better. We have to rebound better. Um, I thought we did a good job of not turning the ball over. Um, that's one thing we've been very conscious about in the postseason. But we've been better in transition tonight. We wasn't that great in the first half. We cleaned it up in the second half. Um, so we need to be better at all facets of the game.
1: I think you see two superstars understanding what's at stake in understanding the basketball game at a high level, right? Nikola Jokic understands that this game is going to be it's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be runs by the opposing team, but can you stop them? And if you're able to get a win, that's the most important thing: getting a win. Not saying he's satisfied because he's not satisfied at all. He understands this is a, you got to win four games to win this series to be able to go to the NBA Finals, and then LeBron James do we give a damn about no comeback. Yeah, we came back. We cut it to this three points or whatnot. But did we get the win? No, we didn't. Okay, so where do we need to be better moving forward in game two? That's the mindset of two superstar players. And it's the reason why both of these guys have been MVP of the league as many times as they have.
2: Now, there were changes. There were significant changes made in the second half that may have contributed to making this game closer. We'll break them down for you. Plus, coming up, there was one major mistake that LeBron made, Harry saw it right away, blew up our group text. He'll explain it to you next. Could have changed the outcome of this game. We'll tell you why. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: Jokic with one will rise. Contested triple goes
2: home at the end of the
0: third. A rainbow finding the pot of gold. The Denver Nuggets take the opener of the Western Conference Finals. One thirty-two, one twenty-six. The
1: final. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. When we
0: need to get inside the game.
1: I know this whole game inside and
0: out. We Ask Coach. Coach? Hey, Coach. On Fitz and Harry.
2: Oh, I'm telling you. I don't know what I like better at this point. Love Fridays has a certain vibe to it. But White Wednesday. Man, I don't know. Cotton Eye Joe coming right out. Why is it always a horse? Every time Harry hears anything that's slightly, (laughs) slightly country, he I like horses. Okay, uh, so the segment's ask coach and uh, Harry's coach. I mean, uh, this is a, there's there are moments when you know we're we're incredibly lucky to work with somebody that not only played in the NFL but also played a lot of basketball and has a great IQ for some of this. And last night, Harry, you were just blown away. And I know in a game that came down right down to the wire, that was a blowout early. It's easy to look at the big picture stuff, but there was a specific moment. That you looked at LeBron and said, "Huh." So we want to break it down by asking Coach. I'm Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. What'd you see, brother?
1: I don't know. Was, I was just mind blowing because of it. You know, watching LeBron in that game and and see him physically imposing his will time and time again, especially when Jamal Murray was on him. We got to a point in that game last night where it was uh, Denver. 129, the Los Angeles Lakers 126. And LeBron James had the basketball with 49 seconds left to go in that ball game. And I just want to rewind really quick, right? We got on Steph Curry in that in the previous series about settling for certain shots when Anthony Davis was on him. Right? So now I'm a fast forward back to the game last night. And you know, nine times out of ten, LeBron James is gonna win that matchup versus Jamal Murray if he drives that ball to the basket. And I just thought it was an opportunity for him to not settle for a three-pointer and go for a quick two. And also, if Jokic was going to come up, who was guarding AD, you could have threw the alley hoop to Jokic, or you could have went in and got fouled and got an and one, or just took the two and been down one. Now, also on that play you gotta remember who's in the game for the Los Angeles Lakers. You have Hachimura, who was in that game, who's been shooting tremendously from the three-point line in in, in the playoffs. You also have Dennis Schroeder, who's hit big threes in the playoffs. And then you have Austin Reeves, who actually hit the big three to cut it down to three points at one point late in the fourth quarter. And I think you would take your chances with him shooting a three-pointer at that point. So if anybody, while LeBron James is driving that basketball, come and, and try to you know double team him or cut the lane off he could easily kick the ball to one of those guys for a wide open look
2: and, and kudos on, but oh, go ahead
1: go ahead no on, on top of it the part that that really blew my mind is that Jamal Murray was exhausted he was so tired to the point to where he had his hands on his knees before Le- LeBron James tried to make his move on top of having five fouls. So you know he couldn't foul you in, in, in that instance, in that point in the ball game. So I just thought it was a moment where LeBron James settled for a three-pointer more so than going to get a bucket that I would have viewed as a 80% chance of him scoring a basketball at the rim. And
2: uh, great job by our team if for watching us in the app of finding the play and putting the play specifically up for us. Really appreciate the work that they do. The one thing I would say to your point is that I understand and I think we all understand that we live in the world where that's a good basketball shot. Fine. But that doesn't always mean that taking the three instead of the quick two makes a ton of strategic sense. We've seen this several times in college basketball and the NBA over the last couple of months where we're scratching our heads at the end of a game saying, well, why not just take the quick two and live to continue to try and force this game down to the wire? Like, I I don't understand it. As we saw in the replay, if you're watching the app, you mentioned it, but Jamal Murray had one hand tugging on his own shorts. I mean, he was doing what any of us that have ever played gym ball are doing at some point, where you're just huffing and puffing, right? And You're trying to figure out a way to get that extra speed. And he had left. He was backpedaling through such a bad position as you watch it I just don't understand why LeBron, I know he had the open look, but to your point, even with the open look, sometimes it makes sense to just say, hey, let's get the two here. You're talking about 44 seconds still left of the game, plenty of game to move back and forth on. It felt like it was one of those moments where you have to, and same thing we said about Golden State, sometimes yep. you have to forget the chase you were in to make the game what it is, and you have to remember the game you're in right then. Situationally, I don't think it was the best idea. I agree with you totally.
1: No, and and on top of it now, let's just say you get a quick two there. Now, Aaron Gordon, in that game, he was only 50% 50 from the free throw line. So that's a person that you know you could probably foul if he's not taking the basketball out. On top of, I would take my chances – fouling and forcing the Denver Nuggets to make two free throws and ho- hopefully they they miss one of them. But let's just say hypothetically, he the, the player makes both. Now you're down three. Now you can go to probably thinking about your three-pointer and what play you want to set up. If Darvin Ham has a timeout and could call it and you can set that up from that point. I just thought at the moment, LeBron James being the freight train that he is, being the dominant force that we've seen in game six versus the Golden State Warriors, being, you know, the, the physical specimen that he is in game one versus the Denver Nuggets, take your chances at the rim and force that defense. At the time, I don't think anybody would have fouled him. I think they probably would have gave him the two and tried to bank on them hitting free throws at that point because the lane was wide open and Jamal Murray was dirt tired. I mean dirt tired. Lean Leaning over before the play even started, LeBron uh, start to make his initial move to, towards the back is basket before he pulled up for the three.
2: Well, and as Evan has pointed out to us, Jamal had five fouls at the point at that point. Yep. So if it is, if there's any body contact, if there's any moment here, Jamal's really got to let him go by. He can't take the risk that he's out of a game that's close game that could be going to overtime at that point, right? So yeah, you 100%. have a tired defender that's going to have to be safe in that process. Like I just all of these things, I believe that if LeBron when he watches that back, he's going to look at that and say huh. you know again right basketball play doesn't always mean right basketball play for that moment and that's one of the things that i think you start realizing when you've come back from so far now yep. you could look super positively if you're darvin ham obviously afterwards you're asked that he was asked at the press conference uh, if he feels even with the loss that he can be confident the team will be ready for game two and uh, obviously coach is always going to be confident but as i look for it here and try and stall gloriously uh, it looks like I don't have it. So we'll have you guys play it from inside there. Uh, if you can play this, Darvin Ham talking at the press conference afterwards, despite the loss, are you confident the team will be ready for game two?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we, we woke up and I thought we started digging in and playing a little bit with a little more urgency. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind, you know, when we come out for game two, we'll be ready. We'll go back and do what we need to do for our team physically, you know, start the recovery process now. Break down the film, watch what we need to watch. But thank God it's it's the best of seven. It's not the NCAA tournament. You know, it's the first of four. We'll be okay, trust me.
2: He mentioned they dug down, Harry, but I think it's also important to mention in the second half, they made a big strategic change. They put Rui Hachimura on on Jokic, and then they basically let AD step back and be sort of a floater at the rim that could disrupt everything that was coming. It did take Denver some time to get used to that. It changed Denver's ability to get transition points. That was a huge change in the second half of the game.
1: Yeah, but I think going into game two, now Mike Malone understands that, right? And just like the Lakers made you know, adjustments, I think the different Nuggets are going to make adjustments as well. Um, if they don't, I, I don't know, I, I would be dumbfounded if they didn't, right? You know what I'm saying? Because literally that's the lineup that they went to, the Los Angeles Lakers. It was Rui Hachimura, it was Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the back end, right? So now you have an Anthony Davis who isn't far from the basket and has to exert that much energy because of the least of amount that, that um, Aaron Gordon is as an offensive threat. And now it's another long-armed uh, body trying to swat away at Jokic in the lane. I thought I thought Hachimura did a great job, but just like they figured that out during the game, I think Mike Malone's going to go to the drawing board and figure out what he can do to counter that as well in Game 2.
2: Yeah, and I'll be a little bit of a stat weenie here, but according to Second Spectrum Sports, the efficiency numbers – for Jokic actually went up in the second half against Rui. So it is going to be interesting because it will rely, if that's what they're going to do, they're going to rely on basically trying to stop transition, and then we'll see what that means for teams moving forward. Tune in tonight, game one of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals as the Celtics host the Heat, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and, of course, on Sirius XM Channel 80. Now, we've been talking about this game the entire show and we have barely mentioned one of the best performances in Anthony Davis's entire career. So the question is, can he repeat it in game two? We'll ask an expert next Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio and the ESPN app Fitz and Harry the podcast.
1: with one, will rise, contested triple goes
0: home at the end of the third. A rainbow finding the pot of gold. Sends it ahead to Murray, lobs it for Gordon who punches it home. And they're on their feet in Denver. The Denver Nuggets take the opener of the Western Conference Finals, 132-126 the final. They're a good team, so uh, we've had to stay resilient, but I think we did a good job of executing both ends after the game. Fitz
2: and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM channel lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I don't know what's my favorite on White Folk Wednesday: the music or the way Harry's gonna to react to it. We've gone from uh, we've gone from horse riding to weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. It's a, yeah. No, you're doing it.
1: Oh, 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 oh,
2: Oh my god that's just we're just already off the rails travis rogers gonna help us get back on the rails host of travis and sliwa on 710 espn la one of our favorite lakers experts great dude great human being i'm saying all this because i'm buttering you up after what had to be tough last night the lakers take a loss i know and, and lakers <laughs> fans hate me travis i get it all right but let's start with ad ad last night was remarkable you've watched so much of him what did you notice from his performance
0: I think that the AD that we saw last night is the AD that Laker fans have been hoping for for several years. The, the AD that we saw for a period of time in the bubble a few years ago, and while last night was the very best version of it, we've gotten a lot of really good AD games in this postseason. There's been a couple of clunkers along the way too, but he was terrific. He, you know, he struggled with Jokic early, which you know, big deal. Everybody struggles with Jokic. He was. As good as Jokic was offensively at a forty point nine. I thought A. D was absolutely terrific. The, the only red flag with that is it's the first time in this postseason that we've seen A. D. be that good, and the Lakers lost the game. That usually that when the when he's somewhere between pretty good to excellent the way he was last night, the Lakers win the game, and he was an A plus version of himself last night and that the Lakers still lost is one of the few negatives i take away from that game last night. i actually was pretty pleased with how it went all things considered
1: and travis you mentioned the 40 points i would throw on top of that 10 rebounds as well a double double can anthony davis repeat a game that he had last night in another one of these games during the series
0: yeah Harry, i think that i think that's a great question and i think it's a big i don't know i think nobody is entirely sure because it just look even the very best players in the league have trouble doing what AD did last night, night after night after night. I don't know if he has to. I think he's got to be really good. I think he's got to be somewhere north of 30. I think he's got to be the defensive presence that he can be at times. Um, he needs to get a little bit better from – a little bit more from his teammates. They need to be better on the glass collectively as a group. They can't get off to the slow start that they did last night. I don't know if they need a, a 40.9 the way he had it, 40, 10, 3, 3, and 3 but they're going to have to be better earlier because he was good. Austin Reeves was really good. Hachimura was really good. LeBron was okay, minus some decisions. I think that the Laker offensive performance will probably come down a little bit because I think they overperformed. The question is, can they take that defensive effort and, and defensive consistency, something they've been really, really good at through the postseason, and kind of elevate that because I expect the offense to come down. It's a matter of whether they can make it up on the other side of the floor.
2: So Travis, are we past the conversation of the up and down AD at the very least? Like the, the inconsistent scoring thing seems to be gone the last few games. Are you willing to retire that mm-hmm. narrative?
0: I, I think that the 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 giant swing fits between those two things is mostly gone. That you know, it, it felt like for a long time you're gonna get thirty five or twelve. I, I think now you're you're somewhere between, you know, like we saw last night forty, the thirty five to forty on the high end and maybe the low end is twenty, maybe the low end is, is twenty one or twenty two, which is a huge difference, right? It wasn't just so much that he would have a bad offensive game where he'd miss some shots and, and maybe not have a, a point production the way that he was. It, the, the problem that I have, the problem I think a lot of Laker fans would have when AD would have one of those games, it wasn't just that he didn't score, it's that he didn't have a, a great deal of impact on the game on the offensive end. It was him just kind of floating through it. And even on games where he hasn't gone north of 30, he still has an impact. So I, I, maybe I'm just being a little uh, optimistic in this, but I'm certainly hopeful that the on-again, off-again AD is, is in the rearview mirror.
1: Now, Travis, one of our coworkers, Kendrick Perkins, tweeted after the game that the Lakers should feel extremely confident going into Game 2 Thursday. Are you extremely confident heading into Game 2?
0: Yeah, I agree with Perk. I, it's, it's funny because watching the game last night, it felt like they were behind by 30 and like five different points in that game. And then you'd look at like, what well, they're actually only down 14. And then it would kind of get, go up to 18. Like, okay, here it comes. They're going to be down 20. No, nope, they're down 12. And up, here we go. It's going to be 21, 22 again. And then you turn around, it's back to 10. That The Lakers showed an incredible deal of resiliency. I think that they'll be better defensively. I think they'll be better on the glass. And I think a big part of this, too, is the Lakers never rolled last night. There were a couple of chances for them to kind of say, okay, it's not our night. They are going to get blown out and kind of pack it in. They didn't do that. And then on the other side, with the Nuggets, they were really calm and good and excellent and executing and do all those things that you think of with Jokic for about three and a half quarters, and then it got tight, and it felt like they really kind of pucker-factored, right? that They got very, very tight at the end of the game. They escaped. I think it was more of, a, of an escape for them than anything else. This is going to be a long series. I thought that the Lakers are probably going to have to find a way to win one in Denver no matter what, obviously, to win that series, but... I feel pretty good about where they are, despite the fact that they lost a game that felt like they were going to get blown out for about two-thirds of it.
2: One thing we've talked a lot about on this show, Travis, is that whether it was Memphis or whether it was Golden State, it seems like the book on how to make life difficult for the Lakers is to push the tempo, which they did early in this game. I mean, it was almost a frantic pace, it felt like, for the first half particularly. How mm-hmm. do the Lakers adjust to that?
0: Well, I think what you have to do is you have to make it uncomfortable for Jokic, too. And I think you got to see that in the fourth quarter. I thought that he looked a little gassed as well. I thought Hachimura did a really good job on him. I think that, you, you know, obviously LeBron is in his 20th season. He's put more miles on his body than any player we've seen in this league, maybe forever. Um, they do want to go to more deliberate place, but if you're going to do it you got to make uh you got you got to make Jokic Jokic pay on the other end as well. LeBron is is pretty strategic. He's pretty tactical about how he expends his energy, but you're going to have to make Jokic to have his tongue hanging out at the end of the game. And I think it was for a good portion of he did not have a field goal in the fourth quarter. I think he was tired, so the Nuggets probably want to play faster than the Lakers, but I don't know if they want to go at that breakneck speed because I don't think that benefits Jokic towards the end of the game
1: either. Travis, really quick, the score was 129-126. to 126. LeBron, LeBron has the ball at the top of the key against Jamal Murray, who is tired. Lane is wide open. He settles for a three-pointer. Do you like that decision, or would you rather see him go in for a two-point basket with a lot of time still left?
0: Yeah, yeah Harry, I— <laughs> I, I feel stupid criticizing LeBron James because he's, you know, if he's not the greatest player of all time, he's on the very short list. But I, I did not like it. I, I still think the most unstoppable thing I've ever seen in my lifetime of watching NBA basketball is LeBron James with the head of steam going to the basket. He's so strong, he's so powerful, he's so smart that maybe he makes an and one and get a three point play that way. Maybe he gets a, a layup. Maybe he kicks it to somebody for a three pointer. We saw them do that in their play victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is exactly the play that, that, that sent them to that three-point lead right there. LeBron has not shot the three well, but if LeBron likes a shot, I, I, I feel bad saying, you know, don't take that shot, LeBron. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I would have liked to even put a shoulder into somebody and go to the basket.
2: Travis, as always, my friend, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, Can't wait to see the rest of this series unfold. Hope you come back and continue to share joy and happiness with us about all things Lakers. You know, I appreciate your positivity. I need this. This feels good. It
0: feels good in my life, Travis. Anybody that listens to my daily show here in Los Angeles will know that positivity is not my default gear. I'm a little <laughs> uncomfortable in this lane. So uh, just call me after a win, and maybe I'll be more negative. We'll uh, see. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again.
2: I love this. Like You're the anti-hero at this point. It's perfect. <laughs> Travis Rogers, ESPN 710 LA. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. You got it. All right. So for all of the conversation about the La- the Lakers and the Nuggets, the Nuggets weren't the only big winners last night. We'll explain.
1: And Harry, the podcast. This has a chance to be one of the most consequential
0: nights uh, in the history of the NBA. The number one pick in the 2023 Woo! NBA draft goes go! to the San Antonio Spurs. I honestly couldn't think of a better organization that he could have gone to. I think he's in good hands. I'm a hard I'm gonna make everything to to as many games as I can. I'm trying to win the ring ASAP. So be ready.
2: All right, everybody in San Antonio is just ecstatic. I don't. What what is it impossible for Harry to dance normally? Like this is this is why white people just do this, Harry, and white people just like white Why people just pop their head a little bit. you're giving me like a spastic moment, and I'm like, I' like what if, and I, want you. I don't I don't know what we're doing. white folk Wednesday really should be weird dance hairy day uh yeah, I'm uncomfortable. Uh, Fitz and Harry, ESPN Radio, <laughs> the ESPN App Series XM channel lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, one San Antonio bar is uncomfortable after last night. They told patrons that came, they packed the place. The video's out on our ESPN uh, Instagram account. Uh, they packed the place, and they said, look, if the Spurs win the first overall pick in this draft lottery, everybody's tab is comped. Oh, my God. The place went nuts at the end of the night. But they also went nuts not just because of the free alcohol. They went nuts also because Victor Wembenyama, is the is the victory here right? Like, if you're the San Antonio Spurs, you now get Victor Wembanyama. I mean that this is a, a, an incredible, incredible moment for the Spurs, particularly, and for anyone that doesn't know anything about him, Harry. This is what Adrian Wojnarowski had to say, ESPN senior NBA draft in, insider, about how good Wembanyama actually is.
0: Victor Wimbenyama is simply the greatest draft prospect in the history of the NBA. Maybe in all of team professional sports, a number of executives who will be in the room tonight who are in this draft lottery tell me that they believe he could be the best player at both the offensive and
1: defensive ends by his third season in the NBA. And the funny thing, I think the funny thing about that, though, Fitz, is that, you know, Woads talks about his third season in the NBA. Wimbenyama right now at the moment is 19 years old. He mm. will only be 22 in his third season in the NBA with tremendous upside. You talk about a guy that's five, but guard-like skills, can shoot the three, can shoot the mid-range. Um, I think the only thing that he has to get better at is you know strengthening in his body. But I think he's capable of doing that. Now, I don't think he has the body type that Giannis had because Giannis had the body type that was able to put on a lot of muscle and a lot of weight. But I do believe he's going to be able to be stronger. But the way the game is played today, where you have your five men, and we just witnessed last night, Nikola Jokic, and what he's able to do on the basketball court because of his skills, Wimbin Yama is in that category, right? 7'5", can shoot over the defenders, can block shots at the rim. And when he does gain that weight and get a little bit stronger, I believe he's going to be a dominant player. But you look at the San Antonio Spurs, and for me – looking at the Spurs organization it is basically the hub and the mecca when it comes to international players when you think about international players the first team that you think about is the San Antonio Spurs from Tim Duncan and where he's from originally and then you look at Tony Parker from France Boris Diaw Manu Ginobili and all those guys and what Popovich was able to do with all those players and their skill set so there's no one smiling uh, as hard as anyone in, this, in the Spurs organization right now today, and I would especially say Greg Popovich.
2: So many people have also pointed out, Weminyama, for anyone that doesn't know, is he lives in France. He's French. He grew up, many people, I shouldn't say him, we don't know yet, many people there actually have rooting interest in the Spurs because of their international yep. ties. So, like, you think about what all of that means. Now, Brian Winhorst on ESPN NBA Insider on Get up this morning told us exactly why. Not only, you know, you heard Woj say that he's the best prospect ever, this is why. This player is not like any other player. When you look at his frame, he absolutely will be embarrassed occasionally by somebody who is bigger than him. But I am going to tell you, and you're not going to believe what I'm saying here, but I am going to tell you that Victor Wembanyama can defend the rim and the three-point line at the same time.
1: You don't think it's possible until you see it happen with his length. I <laughs> Can I tell you why I'm laughing, Vince? Yeah. Because immediately when, when Wendy said that, The first thing I thought about growing up watching Gumby, right, as a kid, (laughs) and how Gumby, you know, his arms just stretch out and his legs just stretch out. And Wimby uh, Wimby Yamba has part of his body in the lane to fill in the rim, but his limbs are so long to the point to where he can get out there and contest a three-point shot at the same time.
2: It is amazing to think about what this means for him and also what it means for San Antonio. Keep in mind San Antonio has had the number 1 pick overall twice in their past. They went 56 and 26 in their first season with David Robinson and then went 56 and 26 in their first season with Tim Duncan. They are one of only two franchises ever to have all of their first overall picks in the Basketball Hall of Fame, right? Them and the Lakers are the only two teams that have never missed on a first-round pick to the level that they're in the Hall of Fame. Credit that right now the Orlando Magic have uh, some of them, but not everybody's eligible. So you've got two teams that have never missed with the first overall pick. One of them with one of the most respected coaches in the world picks up somebody that can guard the three-point and the rim At the same time, like this is such just a a moment for the Spurs. I I just I I watched last night and thought, man, if I'm the if I'm the Rockets, I am Mm -hmm. forever gonna look right right just a few hours down the road and sing what might have been.
1: Well, I think this is a moment also for Greg Popovich because you had a lot of you know rumblings. Is Pop done? Right? Has he hit his coaching ceiling? Well, when you get the number one pick overall and you're able to take Victor Wimiyama with that first overall pick and you have the history that Greg Popovich has with international players, oh, he just got some more blood flow pumped into his body. He, there's some more life, It's You're talking about like how, how you're souped up on sugar. you talk talking about kids. Uh, I'm pretty sure Coach Pop is souped up on sugar right now to be able to have the luxury of coaching this young man and starting another trend with a player that's taking number one overall. He was there in 1988 as an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs when David Robinson got there. He was the head coach when they drafted um, Tim Duncan. Now he's still the head coach when they're draft when they going to draft Victor Wimayama and now they can start something else on top of You know, having draft picks and a lot of cap space to be able to bring guys in.
0: Yeah,
2: they have a ton of draft capital coming up, and I've spent a lot of time in San Antonio in my life, and it's a great city. It's also a more insul. Oh, River Rock is great. Yes, man. It's just a more insulated city than some places. Like, if Wembenyama goes to a place like New York, L.A. or Chicago right out of the gates as a kid moving from France, how much different is his life than if he goes somewhere that has a history with international players, will put support around him, that will help him make the transition to living in the U.S. and hopefully not feel as homesick and also, by the way, make him a better basketball player out of the gate. Like this is that rare. Oh my God! What a win for the player! What a win for the Spurs! The Spurs will be better, and I believe Victor Wembanyama will be better as a result of it. Coming up, one thing that should make Lakers fans very concerned after Game One. We'll tell you next, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.
1: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.